welcome everyone to Heart Snuggles. We hope you're having the best day. I brought a really cool guest today to share with you. So go ahead and tell them a little bit about you. What's up, Lexi? Thank you, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, my name is James McRae. I'm a, a writer, an author, a poet, uh, a meme artist, and um, kind of a uh, a writer and artist who kind of works primarily on the internet. Yeah, I love it. I love what you put out there. It's, it's so great and it always brings me so much joy and like, especially during this time, so much peace. Um, that you put your perspective out there amongst the chaos. I appreciate that. And yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's chaotic times and they've, it's really kind of fueled me to create art that doesn't shy away from the crazy times we live in, but tries to make sense of it as best we can and um, kind of laugh at the absurdity of the human experience. <laughs> which too many of us aren't doing. I think that's one of my biggest things is keeping life playful. And sometimes we just get so trapped in the seriousness. It's like, we need to, we need those reminders. So the question of the podcast, which I like to start off with was what was the last random act of kindness someone did for you? Random act of kindness that somebody did for me. Um, that's a good question. Let's see. I mean, I, th I feel like there's just you know, so many little spots of kindness that happen when you're kind of when you're looking for them. Like, I honestly can't think of a specific thing, but what like what comes to mind is that I know like whenever I'm in a place of like gentleness within myself and like um, openness to the world and like not, you know, kind of like angry and um, annoyed and I'm just like engaging the world from a place of kindness and openness. That's when people respond to me with kindness and openness. Whereas if I'm like annoyed and think like, and I'm cranky and I'm thinking like, oh, everyone is annoying, then everyone's going to be annoying. So it's just kind of like, that's, that's kind of the, the times when you realize that life can very much actually be a mirror. Mm. Um, because when you're in that place of like heart centered kindness, that's when people will meet you from a place of heart centered kindness. So I think of lots of little examples, but I can't think of one specific one right now. That's okay. I love that perspective because it's so true. It's like those days where you're in those shitty moods, nothing good goes in your favor. And you know, <laughs> you just keep spiraling until you pull yourself out of it. And so but then the ones you are, you're just like, wow, everyone's giving me like, you know, you receive it right back. So I think that mirror concept is so huge. And we forget that a lot. Um, and we don't like to take responsibility. So how did you start taking like self-responsibility for your actions and your reality? Probably just when I got to the point, it probably happened when I started to tap into spirituality and learn some of this conceptually, like what we put out, we get back. Like as simple as that. It's like karma is the tale, a tale as old as time. Uh, and I guess I started just to learn about that. And, and then like, I, at some point I was introduced to the idea of like, we create our own reality. And that's a, that's a bit of a controversial statement because it's, I think like everything's true and, but also nothing is totally literal. So 
I think we do create our own experience of reality. Um, and the more habits that we can kind of implement in our day-to-day lives to reinforce certain perspectives, the more pronounced that perspective is going to become in our, in our lives. So it's not like we can just make everything go away in this, in the snap of a finger. That's not what it means to create your own, your own reality. It is about habitual actions that are based on thoughts and emotions. So I just started learning about that and then, and then practicing, you know, meditation and Kundalini yoga and even, um, being introduced to plant medicine and through, I guess, through years of these practices, um, it's just become more clear to me that, you know, you can't change the world from, by trying to fix the external. And that's um, a lot of people have really good intentions and trying to go and fix the world. And it's like, unless you fix yourself first, you cannot be of service to fix the world. It's like as simple as getting your own house in order, getting your own self in order, getting your own energy in order, your own energetic vibration in order. And then you show up to the world from a place of grounded, heart-centered presence. And then you automatically have a ripple effect on those around you. So it's really about taking care of yourself first. Um, in order to be of service to the world. Yes. And I love to like with yours, it's like doing that can look, it can look like that in so many ways. Like giving back can be, it doesn't have to be one specific way. And like you give back through memes and it brings so much life to everyone. And it's like, just by doing that, like you followed your truth, you followed your heart and it's brought in you like to who, where you are now. And you've impacted so many lives and that's fucking amazing because it's like, you don't have to just do some cookie cutter path and like think what you should do but it's like you enjoyed making memes and you followed that and like here you are <laughs> yeah, everyone needs different medicine and if you're called to do something you're called to do it for a reason like you would think like oh who's calling is it to make memes right like that sounds silly but mm-hmm. i just i've always been creative and I spent a lot of time on the internet. So it's just natural for me just to kind of work in that medium and just make memes. And then it turns out people are out there who need to hear it and need to see it. So everyone needs a different medicine and we all have a medicine to give. Um, so it's really about finding what rings most true to each individual. And then you will find the people that, you know, need the medicine that you have to give. Definitely. So what did, what did your path look like? I guess, like, how did you start spirituality? Were you always in this? Did you grow up in it? Or what was that like? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota in the Midwest, which is very, um, it's very traditional in terms of like, uh, Christianity. So I grew up very much uh, in like the Christian church, which is not a specific tradition that I still follow but it did give me uh, a solid foundation on my spiritual path because i i always believed even as a young boy that i had a relationship with god now i will probably define god differently now than i did then 
but that foundation has enabled me to live my life as if there is uh, some kind of a higher consciousness, a higher power that is behind what we see. So that, that definitely helped me. And, um, you know, I, I kind of left the Christian belief system, you know, as I got older and that kind of put me on like a, a wandering road to kind of find my way. And I've always been an artist and a writer. So for me, creativity and spirituality are intrinsically connected. Because when I think about creativity of any kind, whether you're a writer, an artist, a musician, a dancer, whatever it is, you're really tapping into an, an invisible realm, which is, I mean, it, it's a spiritual realm. There's no, I mean, it's, it's a realm that's beyond the physical world. It's, we're talking about imagination and intuition. These to me are inherently spiritual because they represent an invisible world that is beyond our capacity to measure and see, but we can tap into that and access ideas and, you know, inspiration that we can then manifest through creativity into the earthly plane. Right. And, you know, it's, no one knows how that works. No one in the world has ever known how that actually works. And I think it's, it's, it's alchemy. It's magic is, is what creative creativity is. So we are inherently, you know, we have magical qualities that we're born with and they're expressed through creativity. So for me, just like studying art, looking at art, reading poetry, reading literature, um, that's kind of been a, a bit of a spiritual path for me, you know, and, and then as well as, you know, when I moved to New York City uh, a while ago, I was uh, introduced to, you know, a much more, you know, diverse set of spiritual uh, rituals and, and traditions than I had been exposed to uh, growing up in the Midwest. So things like Buddhism and Kundalini yoga and, uh, you know, plant medicine and like, a course, a course in miracles and books like that. So I was kind of just exposed to a lot of different practices. And, you know, I'm not the kind of person that likes to follow one specific path or thinks that one specific path is the answer. I think that there's truth in every tradition. So I've just kind of sampled things as I found them. And, you know, when you really study all these different kind of spiritual traditions, you do start to see the underlying pattern that connects them all. So I just kind of treat them like different genres of music, right? Like you might want to listen to rock and roll one day, the next day you might want to listen to jazz and that there's not a conflict there. So I kind of, uh, re I relate to a lot of them, but really the, the Eastern traditions, specifically Buddhism, um, are some that I find the most kind of the most personal connection to. Yeah, I agree. I think like at the root of all of them, it's pretty similar messages and they all mean well and like teaching you the same things. And there's some stuff in between that, you know, it definitely doesn't resonate. But yeah, I, I think that's so beautiful that you can stay so open to all of that. And I think a lot of us get really rigid and like we have to we think one thing it has to, we have to keep ourselves in these boxes. And that is so limiting when really it's like we can be so many things at once and believe so many different things and stay open-minded. So how do you think you've developed this like ability to stay so open? 
You know, I think it's, uh, I don't know exactly, but I think that just, um, I've always just had an aversion to, to dogma. Like if you see people that are dogmatic about anything, you know, it's kind of, um, it's a red flag for me, right? Like, (laughs) um, to believe that, that like one, one specific direction is is completely the right and all the rest are wrong but then i i would you know if you go meet people on that believe something else and they're ju- they're just as smart and sweet and empathetic as the people who believe the other thing yeah. right so you can't like i think just having empathy and basic kindness for humanity is enough to be like well i'm not going to um throw a whole group of people under a, under the bus because they believe something differently than me. You know, I really think that um, it has to do with my practice as a poet to be able to hold space for nuance, right? Because I think that poetry is um, healing. It's language used to heal in the sense that it, by nature, poetry holds space for nuance. It's not a dogmatic tradition. So I think that every story is, uh, and every religion is based on a mythology and mythologies are for me, similar to poetry. They're, they are stories that are used to interpret the mystery of the universe. And the problem is people along the way, probably that we're trying to control other people turn these mythologies into literal dogmas and then people kind of a a control system was built out of these mythologies to try to control people so um, i think i think those systems are starting to to break down people have kind of are, are seeing the cracks in in some of these dogmatic traditions and um you know i just think we should you know there's room for different genres of music. And I think there's room for different genres of spirituality as well, without condemning people that don't believe exactly what you believe. Yeah. It's like, why, why can't we hold space for both? And um, it's the world would be quite boring. if We're all the exact same, you know, it's like, I think people forget that. It's like, why, why do you know, especially times like this with like with COVID and there's so many big things that are just trying to divide us more and more. And keeping us separated. And I think it's really sad. And this is like such a great reminder for those who, you know, sometimes get caught up in the, um, in their own beliefs and don't know how to hold space for another. So how have you been dealing with like the differences of people's views and like being able to hold space for everyone? Yeah. I mean, especially now, right. Because people are very divided in the world on a variety of topics, whether it's political or health or you name it, it's very, very divided. Um, I think it's so important to have compassion because if you were walking in someone else's shoes, you would have the same beliefs that they have, Mm -hmm. right? Like everyone's conditions and experiences has, have informed what they believe and everything is true from the perspective of the person who believes it. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, if you were given a B and C information and someone else was given X, Y, and Z information, 
you can't like, they're only going to believe what they've been exposed to. Right. Like, so there are, there are certainly people who believe things that I don't believe. And it would be easy for me to hate those people really, because like, how could they be so stupid to believe that stupid stuff? Right. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, it's not that person's fault. I mean, for whatever reasons, their cultural conditioning has caused them to believe what they believe. So, and you can't change people's minds with force, right? You can't say like, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Why don't you believe what I believe? Like you're only going to cause uh, equal reaction to that. You know, if you're resisting them, they're going to resist you. It's just kind of the law of nature. So um, that's why on my, on my art and my Instagram, I try not to be too divisive. I try to deliver the truth as I see it with, with some nuance and humor so I can, you know, start to open people's minds and open their hearts without attacking them. Because yeah. I think ultimately that's the only way to go about it. Yeah, there's so much we love to teach through shame. And that's like, the, not not it. That is just not the way to go. And it's like, well, I've been shamed, so I want to shame you. And it's like this shame cycle. And that's never the right, like, I truly don't believe that's the right way to teach someone your perspective or get them on your side in general. And so moving away from that, I think is so powerful. And you definitely do a really great job of that. And um, And I think humor is also good as well. But yeah, it's like we forget that people have lived their own lives with their own experiences. And like, this is why they think that way. And instead of just like immediately attacking, like, how can you just take a second to understand their side? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And something else I think would be really great for you to talk about is how did you stay believing in yourself through your artistry? Because I know a lot of artists give up on themselves and don't stick with their passion. Yeah, you know, my, my, my art has taken a lot of different twists and turns. You know, I, I think I felt the calling to be a writer and be a poet um, early on. I mean, I started writing when I was like 14. And then really in high school, without like everyone's kind of planning their futures, I was like, man, I don't know if I can like be a poet. Like that didn't seem, it didn't seem possible. But I was like, other people have done it in the past. And it's like, if I'm called to do that, there's got to be a way. So I, I, I had to, I, I kept on that path, but I had to do a lot of other stuff along the way, you know, and, and luckily it was all creative. Like I actually went to art school to become a graphic designer and I worked in graphic design for a while. And then I was working in advertising agencies, like as a brand strategist. So I've always been doing creative work um I'll, you know but on the side of I've, I've always kept up my own creative work as well and it's always evolved it's always taken twists and turns so i think you have to stay open to where your creative path takes you like i have i have um had entire creative identities you know kind of die off so i could you know give birth to new ones you know, and, and what I, at any, at any given point, even a year ago, I wouldn't have thought that I was doing, that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. So whatever idea someone has about themselves as an artist, I think they need to be 
fluid and flexible to let their path unfold because it's going to unfold in ways that are, are, are not expected. Um, but it's, it's kind of what I was saying earlier too, about, about habits and practices, you know, the more we do things habitually, the more, the easier they get. And there's always a path, um, ahead. You just have to find that path for yourself and you can't expect to follow anyone else's template. You really do need to find your own way. That's the only way to do it. And, 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 and that, and that's scary sometimes because it means going into the unknown and not knowing, you know, how you're going to get there, but somehow having faith that you're going to get there and not being afraid of getting lost, not being afraid of, you know, being, a, you know, ha- having fear even and allowing that all to happen as part of the process. And, um, and you grow so much from those twists and turns and, you know, the, the rough patches of the road. Um, and you just have to, that's, that's, that's life. That's the, uh, that's the soul journey that we're on. And, uh, we have to get our hands dirty a little bit in order to really, uh, eventually get to where we need to go. Yes. And it's like, we've all been in the unknown now during this pandemic. So there's no excuses. (laughs) Like we all, you can, you can do it, you know? Yeah. This has been a huge, uh, initiation for all of us (laughs) to face the unknown or it's like, wait a minute, like what, what's going on? What, huh? Like, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a collective dark night of the soul and it's, it's initiating us all into this, this liminal space of the unknown. And that's a scary place to be, but I also think it's, one of the more fruitful places we can be from a growth perspective. Of course. Yeah. It's for them. I think the most growth has happened in my life. And uh, I think also something that'd be good to talk about is like, how, how do you detach the ego? Like you said, you have to kind of like let parts of your identity die and that's really hard for the ego. And so how do you support that and like detach yourself from letting the ego run the show? Yeah. So I think that there's, you know, the way I kind of explain it is there's two primary kind of, um, I guess, voices inside of us. And um, in, in my book, uh, Shit Your Ego Says, I call them the ego and the higher self. You could also call it the ego and intuition, if you don't know, because the higher self is kind of a little bit woo-woo. People don't really know what that means. There's a higher self. And I think it just means your intuition. I just think it means the part of yourself that is not tethered to the physical realm. It's the part of us that has access to more. So the ego is more like centrally located within our own heads. It's like very much like doesn't have access to the depth of information that the intuition has. So I think it's important to know that first and foremost, because the ego speaks loudly. The ego is like the defensive attached voice inside of us. And it's, um, it makes itself known through, you know, persistent nagging and fear and worry and doubt. And so it's easy to listen to that. But I think it's important to recognize that we all have antennas <laughs> that can connect us to much more valuable information than, than what the ego is giving us. And this is that voice of intuition that connects us with who knows where it's like more of like, it's closer to what could be called source consciousness. So 
the information you're going to get from source consciousness is infinitely better than the, in, the information you're going to get from the localized personal ego, right? So right there, it's so much more valuable. So then it just becomes learning um, the practice of listening to your intuition rather than your ego. And for me, the, you know, the timeless practices of, of mindfulness and meditation are the best way to do that. And, you know, when you met, uh, I've been meditating every day for years, so it's gotten easier and easier. And also just engaging in creativity to me is the act of letting go of the ego, because I promise you, none of my ideas come from my ego or my conscious mind. You know, I've been doing creativity so long where it becomes, it's a subconscious process. I'm like, it's almost like meditation where I'm just kind of quieting the mind and I'm like more of like sensing what's out there, like putting it, like putting a radar on that like senses what's out there. And then if I get a little hit of a good idea, I can, I can grab onto it and bring it down to earth. So I call it listening to the space between your thoughts because your thoughts are going to keep you grounded here, but there's like little cracks between your thoughts where you can access that that depth of your intuition. So just, you know, meditation is the best way for me. Um, but it's really about, um, you know, listening to, because the, the, the intuition is much quieter than the ego. You know, you, you have to kind of be quiet and listen and just, it's more of a sense that you pick up than like a really strong thought from the mind. So getting in touch with your body, you know, quieting the mind and just like listening and sensing what, what is out there um, is just a, a better way to, you know, get ideas and information than relying only on the mind. Yeah. And when you do tap into that, it's like unlimited, you know, it's, there's endless things and collective consciousness. And it's so beautiful. Like, when you can get quiet enough, but we're so fearful of being quiet and still that we don't even, half of us don't even access that. And it's like, if we can move past that and everyone, you know, I used to say like, I'm not a meditator. I'm not good at meditating. I can't do it. And because it's uncomfortable, you know, and it takes time and takes practice and we don't, we're not good at uh, being beginners at something. And so I just really encourage people to continue to try because it is so like, you'll just get so much reward by connecting to your intuition more and more. Yeah. And you can't do it wrong. Like there's no wrong way to meditate. You can't be a bad meditator. It's like literally just sit there and breathe. <laughs> like close your eyes and breathe. And if you don't like it, that's fine. Just do it for 10 minutes. And it, it gets easier and easier as you do it. Like you're not doing anything wrong. Just close your eyes and breathe and just pay attention to what you notice inside your head. You know, that's, that's it. If you have thoughts, that's fine. Just let them be there. You know, don't just, it's like hearing traffic outside. You can't stop the traffic. You just got to like zone out and like, let it be there and let, let your thoughts become background noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any funny stories of your ego, like listening and following your ego instead of your intuition? I mean, if I did, it would just be about, you know, my ego. I, I, 
getting um, me into trouble. Like, I think I've got, I, I've gotten better at this, but one thing that's taken me a while is to become um, less defensive mm. because I realized that I could be so unnecessarily defensive. Like I would just, someone would say something and I would find a way to take it personally. Yeah. Cause that's what, that's part of what the ego does. It's like, it's like, it's trying to be protective, right? So it's looking for threats. So it picks up threats where there are no threats. Yeah. So I would just get myself into trouble by just being too defensive and like assuming that something was, uh, someone was trying to slight me and like being like finding a way to be offended by what someone else said mm-hmm. when it was just ridiculous. And it makes you look so silly because for the most part, people are not out to get you. For the most part, people are too busy and wrapped up in their own life and their own drama to spend too much time worrying about what you're doing. So nine out of 10 times, if I have felt defensive or offended by someone, it was based on nothing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we... and. It's always awkward too, like after you overreact and get super defensive, you're like, oh, fuck, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get yourself, and then you're the one that's being the asshole when <laughs> you thought they were. <laughs> oh my God. The mirror again, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you will wear nail polish and that's like definitely detaching from the ego. So how did that happen? I just started doing that. Uh, I don't know why, you know, I think it's like this past year with being, um, in, you know, quarantine and lockdown and things like that, it's just been like less of a caring less about social expectations and obligations. And I've just kind of, you know, been spending time with people who are more just like soul family than, you know, and, and like, I really don't care what people think about me anymore so it's just um it's just fun it's just you know no 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 other reason other than that exactly i love that it's like when can you start choosing you over other people's perspectives of you you know it's like it's fun to paint your nails it's fun to wear whatever you want to wear you know instead of being so worried about how there's how others will perceive you we actually i just went to this fun Halloween concert well we were supposed to dress up and like me and my three friends were just about the only people that dressed up and I was like what the I was like why is no one dressed up this is the best time you know like go out and everyone's like well I wasn't sure if other people were gonna dress up and I just couldn't decide what to wear and I'm like so basically you're saying you were just too insecure and like worried about other people how you're gonna be perceived and I was like you take the fun out of everything you know and luckily we didn't care because we were having fun ourselves but it just made me so sad to see like a giant group of people in that mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, it's so much better just to live according to your own, you know, dance to the beat of your own drum. Like it's the only way to have fun in this life. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, the question I usually end the podcast with is what brings your heart joy? Hmm. Just, you know, I think that, the most joy is um, has to do with other people. You know, I think that um, nothing that is, is strictly for yourself is going to be as fulfilling as when you can share things with others. So it doesn't matter if you like make a ton of money or have a lot of cool stuff or whatever, if you don't have people around you to enjoy it with you and to celebrate with you, 
then it's 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 not worth anything. So just having the right people around um you know and 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 the more honest and authentic you are living the more you're going to find those honest and authentic connections if you're kind of like a halfway hiding yourself you're going to you're going to find people that are you know halfway hiding themselves and that aren't seeing the real you so the more you put yourself out there um you know in your full authenticity you're going to find the people that resonate with your full authenticity and that's there's, not, there's nothing better than that yeah you become so magnetic it's actually quite fun because i personally have lived a lot of different places and i've never had that belief that it's hard to make friends because i'm just so me and i've gotten to this place where i'm comfortable to be that and so i'm just like the people i meet are always so aligned and it's so fun to to just be yourself and see the others you attract in that light too. And you can do it anywhere and you get so much much more fulfilled that way. Everyone does. So yes, hopefully more people can be themselves. (laughs) Um, So I'd love for you to share about your other new book that you have and where people can find you if they want to look at your amazing memes. Yeah. So my, my main hub is my Instagram, which is at words are vibrations. And um, if you just hit the link in my bio there, you can find uh, I've I've published two books. The first is Shit Your Ego Says, kind of an autobiographical um, kind of self-help book about, you know, mental health and, you know, becoming the most authentic version of yourself. And then my new book is called How to Laugh in Ironic Amusement During Your Existential Crisis. And it is a book of poetry and memes, which was really inspired by the state of the world today and the absurdity of it all. And it's actually the first ever book of published memes. Um, so you can find those through the uh, the link on my Instagram page. Wow, that's so exciting. How does that feel? It's cool. You know, I think that memes are a new art form. And um, I think we're just starting to kind of... Um, explore that area of creative expression so it's fun to be one of the people that are you know really starting to unlock the power of memes as an art form yeah that's epic oh that makes me so happy (laughs) i'm so proud of you and thanks again for being on heart snuggles thanks so much lexi